0: Interning 101 podcast hosted by yours truly, Emily White, author of Interning 101. Welcome to episode six of Interning 101. I'm your host, Emily White, and I have a very special guest today for a few reasons. Welcome composer, Matthew
1: Wong. Thank you for having me, Emily.
0: So if you caught the music at the beginning of our podcast, that was actually composed by Matthew. So thank you so much for composing that and not just composing it, but I love it. And I think you did it, you got it to me within a day or something. So do you want to talk about your process real quick, just on a a jingle like that?
1: Sure. Well, first off, I'm so glad that you like it. And I've already listened to the first episode, and it's been a lot of fun to hear it. Yeah. So I think the process on that, I think a lot of it comes from just having written a lot of uh, jingle music, specifically for TV commercials in the past. It's funny. I don't even know how to explain my process. I feel like I just try to think of melodies and keep them archived a lot of the time. In this case, I got an email from you. I think it was in the morning about one or two months ago. And I just heard those three or four notes on a loop in my head while I was reading the email. And then I just tried to catch them down on a piano and then fledged it out from there.
0: That's amazing. And, you know, really what you're describing is a true calling. Um, there's a clip on YouTube. I don't know if Oprah has spoken about this multiple times, but she talks about the difference between. I can't remember if she calls it a calling and a career or a calling and a job or something like that. But you inherently are a composer. There, There's no doubt in my mind. Tell me about your background and how you got started, even as a kid, as far as composing goes. Because we'll get into some of the amazing things you're doing now. But I've worked with countless musicians who want... like legit name musicians who want to do what you're doing, you know, composing for Netflix and jingles and, and things like that. So start early. Where, where did you begin as a composer and songwriter and musician?
1: Sure. Well, I grew up on the Upper West Side in Manhattan. I think I played violin starting around age six or seven, possibly because of me having Asian parents. <laughs> um, shout out to my mom and dad who might be listening to this. Um, And I did orchestra at the Third Street Music School every Saturday. I wasn't the biggest fan of violin, and I think it's just because I felt like I wasn't good at it. But when Guitar Hero 3 came out, I just fell in love with rock music. Um, I remember getting it for Christmas one year. me and my brother would play it, but he was so much better than I was. So out of frustration, I asked my mom to pull out her old nylon string acoustic guitar. And I just started learning a lot of those rock songs on that guitar. I mean, one of my favorite childhood memories is just learning like how to play a C, G, and D chord on that guitar from my mom. From there, I wanted to transition to electric guitar because no one wants to play Smoke on the Water on an acoustic.
0: Maybe some people do. You never Maybe know. some people do, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so
1: I went to Guitar Center with my dad. We got an electric guitar. Um, and then I started playing in bands around then probably spent a good two or three years practicing guitar and trying to get good at it. Two things simultaneously happened for me. One is that I got obsessed with the YouTube guitar world. So that would be videos from channels like Guitar World, Premiere Guitar. Uh, but then I noticed channels like Fred Americana and the smaller guitar stores like Norman's out here in LA where, I mean, these were locally run businesses that started their own YouTube channels and some of them had amazing personalities hosting their their own shows. I thought that was the coolest thing and i wanted to have a youtube channel where i reviewed guitars the second thing that happened was i just started playing in bands and trying to meet more locals in the city but i was finding it very hard to book shows without any type of music out online or anything so i did start posting like guitar reviews of the one or two guitars i had at my house um and then a couple really weird guitar like lesson videos a lot of taken down I think there's still one of like how to play the Spongebob Campfire Song song on guitar. Awesome. I think once I had 10,000 views on this video of mine and no no booker would check these at the local bar or whatever, and they mm-hmm. say, oh, great, you have 10,000 views on your YouTube channel. Do you want to come play a 20-minute set?
0: So you had 10,000 views of some of these YouTube videos?
1: Well, I think at the... T- I remember... The bass player of my band, Tyler Magner, one of my best friends, he he joked I had negative views on my YouTube channel for a while. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, I remember the first time getting like a thousand views. It was really good to just realize that the more you practiced at that stuff, one, the better you would get at talking to a camera and just talking in general, rehearsing for these YouTube videos or doing 25 takes saying, hey, my name is Matthew Wong. Welcome to my channel. And trying to take your time with the words but also finding a good balance for youtube things i took away and now i still when preparing for a gig if i ever play guitar for a band i'll videotape myself playing the whole set and figuring out everything i do uh any weird faces i make things like that too
0: that is true dedication um it's very cliche that practice makes perfect um, I would love for the audience to tell me I'm wrong, but I don't know too many people that do 25 YouTube takes for their <laughs> internet content. Um, so that's incredible. But just you know, just to talk about those numbers for a second, because you know I know countless artists that would love 2,000, 5,000 views. How were you getting that traffic? Were you using tags and metadata? Do you have any thoughts on how you got to 10,000 views? And 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 how old were you when you were doing this?
1: Well, I think I started my channel. But I think I was 13. I wasn't really thinking about I knew I kind of wanted views just because the idea of YouTube fame sounded fun. Sure. And it's not something I actually aspire to anymore, which I'm very glad about because that's a very draining. It's like when you're, I don't know, if you're a band and you think, "Oh, I need to get 10,000 Instagram followers for a label to want, have any interest in me," which unfortunately right. actually might be kind of true in some ways. The goal should be to just write amazing music because that will give yourself a name.
0: Definitely. And just to comment on that real quick, people thinking like, it's all about views and things like that, because this comes up all the time on panels. Um, if the goal is to get noticed by a manager, or industry person, label, whatever, it's really both. I mean, first and foremost, we care about art. We're looking for great art. There's countless music out there. There's a ton of competition. But when it comes to the social stuff, Um, I would say, generally speaking, we as industry people don't really care what the numbers are. We just want to see that you've been posting. So if we're interested in an artist and the music is amazing and we go to your social media and in this case, YouTube, um, and we realize that you haven't posted since last year, we don't want to care more than you do. So speaking for myself, I could care less what social numbers are, but we just want to see some engagement on there. So Did you ever take piano lessons and what instruments do you all play?
1: Ooh, okay. So I took guitar lessons. My guitar teacher, Jimmy Rose, is my first guitar teacher ever. Jimmy is the greatest guitar teacher in New York City. Just an amazing human being. And I took classical guitar with him by the later parts of it, but he was also a phenomenal rock guitar player. I took some piano lessons when I went to NYU
0: um, and I asked about piano just because I am like the opposite of you. I am not a natural musician, but I did start taking piano lessons when I was five. And I was always really grateful for that foundation um, just because it helped me understand so many other instruments and, you know, reading music and, and things like that. So that's interesting. And that and that's um, great to hear because uh, that you're so into guitar. Because how old are you now?
1: I'm 22.
0: Great. So, you know, guitar sales are down. But I'm torn on that. On one hand, I completely understand because people can compose on computers and EDM is so popular. But, you know, the last time I spoke at NYU, so before I spoke, three different students did cover songs. It stood out to me for two reasons. One, that there were so many musicians in the music business program. The students were much more business focused and I saw way more musicians. And I also heard them covering a lot of um, rock songs and playing guitar and things like that. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, As much as I I do love guitar, I've learned to not really rely on it too much. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds change. I do think that it's not worth ever chasing trends. Otherwise, I probably would still be using marimba samples and loud vocal chops kind of music. Right. Um, Yeah. One thing I learned early on is that if you think it sounds cool, then use it. Yeah. Because I'm sure you'll probably get tired of sounds if you keep hearing them all the time too. So don't be afraid to just do really ridiculous, weird things. Uh, and with the intention of making it sound good, not just for the sake of being weird.
0: One reason I know you is you gave one of the most amazing compliments on the Interning 101 book ever. Um, I'm glad it's helping people. I get great fe- great feedback every day. You told me that you know when you interned for Hans Zimmer's studio, and there are very few composers in the world I can name, let alone you know, the average person can name and Hans Zimmer is definitely like one of two. Um, So that's an incredibly prestigious internship. And again, like I said, I've worked with like really successful pop and rock songwriters that have wanted to break into composing and film and TV and ad scoring. And they couldn't. And we tried. I guess you credit the Interning 101 book for knowing what to do in Hans's studio, um, and then that also, you know, that experience led to you scoring for a Netflix show. So tell me a little bit about what I just botched there as far as the book and your internship um, at such a prestigious composer's studio.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was reading that the week before heading out to LA for that internship. And honestly, I still consult that book sometimes for little tidbits of advice in terms of just how to be a working professional in the music industry. So yeah, I mean, the first thing with that internship specifically is I was a big fan of a lot of those Hollywood film composers. Specifically, Hans has been part of the soundtrack to my life, I think, as he scored at least what are one, one to three movies that I've seen every year.
0: That we've all seen this year. Do you wanna talk about some of the films and TV shows and things that Hans has scored just so people understand?
1: There's so many films. That's I was talk about Lion King. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Inception, Interstellar. He works a lot with Christopher Nolan, um, Dunkirk last year. Right now, I think he just did the music for the World Cup with another composer named Lauren Boff, who I'm also a huge fan of, and he works out of Hans' studio as well. I think the reason that internship worked out is that I was a sincere fan of that type of industry. It was great to be able to learn more about the industry and just to experience what it's like to be in such a prolific uh, composer's studio. I'd say that the best internships I've seen for friends and the best interns I've seen, that they really love the company that they they work for.
0: So there's a few things I want to unpack there. Uh, one that's really important that you said is uh, you were a fan of the industry. And you're also a fan of Hans, no doubt, but you didn't say it mm-hmm. that way. You, spe- you spoke about Hans as a composer, more of like admiring his work. So being a fan of the industry is really, really important because that's, that's what you're studying. That's what you're looking to be in. And, you know, speaking as far as music goes, but this is applicable to anything in entertainment. If you are just a fan and in my world, uh, in management and entrepreneurship, if you're bored by emails and computers and stuff, then like just stay a fan, you know, and that's also what your internships are about. Like figuring out what you don't want to do is just as important as figuring out what you do want to do, but you are definitely a fan of Hans's as as well. What were your expectations going in? Like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be sitting next to him all day. Like what was, what were your expectations and what was your approach?
1: I I kind of knew that the the Hans Zimmer live tour was happening that past summer. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't going to be there uh, for most of it, but I did know that there were a lot of composers in that area I realized that if you want to be a composer assistant or you want to be the assistant to a producer, it's very easy to look up what that producer or that composer uses software wise. And I'd highly recommend trying to get familiar with those tools if you can before you start before you even ask if you could assist them.
0: Don't. If you're going to go offering help, make sure you know the programs that you'll be helping on. Just like, you know, I talk about in the book, like if you're going to go intern in a management company or a label or whatever, get to know the artist, especially in a streaming world where it's so easy, get to know the artists on the roster before you walk in the door. Like, how could you help someone in composing and songwriting and producing if you are not fluent in the computer programs they work on, right? You can tell me if I'm wrong, but... You know, I don't know if there's some composers that are like, I'm just going to go hang out with Hans Zimmer all day, but it's like, no, you need to like be, I mean, a geek in the best sense of the word, like be a geek about what you're doing and just like learn these programs and learn as much as you can via the amazing internet kind of before you step in the door. How many internships did you do in college?
1: I made sure to intern during the summers and um, I wouldn't always do it for credit Mm -hmm. But anyways, having said that, my first internship was actually my senior year of high school going into freshman year. It was assisting a Emmy Award winning composer named Tyreek Washington, who works out of the uh, CUNY uh, grad school studios and does music for a lot of the CUNY Mm -hmm. shows. Um, One of the best bits of advice I got from him, there were really two. One is on the first day, he asked me, do you know how to punch in Pro Tools? And I said, no, I've never used Pro Tools. And he turns to me and says, okay, Matt, the first thing you always do when you're in the studio, if someone asks you, do you know how to do something, is always say yes, and then go into the little help menu in that program and search up, punch in in Pro Tools, and then quickly figure it out before they notice that you don't know. (laughs) Um, I've got mixed thoughts on that, but honestly, I've probably said yes to things that I I wasn't sure if I could do, and then force myself to learn how to to solve the predicament I put myself in. And that's led to a lot of great opportunities. I also have
0: mixed thoughts on that, Um, which is, you know, the the way you were asked, do you know how to do this, um, is different. Like when you get given a task at an internship, try to figure it out yourself because like Matthew is saying, there's a help section, there's the internet, there's all these things. And then if you can't figure it out, which is totally fine, be upfront and say, you know what? I'm not trained on this. I tried figuring it out. I don't know that. That's okay to say. You don't want to oversell yourself, but please try before you say you don't know how to do something because all these resources are available to you. Uh, you know, online. You know, there's a chapter in the book. Don't ask me a question that's Googleable. Um, learning, pro te- learning pro tools is not like Googleable, but it kind of is. You know, so like the more you can self educate, the more you can figure yourself out. The, the higher likelihood that you will get to the point of the book being successful, which is to make yourself indispensable. But
1: yeah, no. So that was the first thing. The second thing is that that was a great internship and that it was very low key. Honestly, um, I learned a lot. And Tariq is an amazing composer who actually doesn't really work with uh, plugins in pro tools that much for uh, synths mm-hmm. and things like that. So that means he actually plays in all the parts and he's, one of the best pianists I think I know yeah. in New York. Um, and he can program a string part on his old Yamaha sequencer that sounds just as good as some as some real violin mm-hmm. players I know. Um, but we had some conversations uh, after sessions and he would ask, like, so what do you want to do? I'd say, I, I want to be a songwriter and producer. And he would ask, oh, so are you writing a song every day? Smart And... I was just thinking like, oh my God, that's crazy. Like, how do you write a song every day? And honestly, it's something that, I mean, you asked me, how did I come up with the music for the show? I honestly don't know. Right. <laughs> um, I think, how do you do it? You, you just do it. The reality is, I think some people walk down the street and they just hear a, a melody in their head. And if that's you, then take your phone out, sing that melody, even if you're not a great singer at all just hum it into your iPhone and have it there so that you can rely on it later. The most important thing is just to write a lot of bad songs. And I feel like I am sound like every cliche songwriting professor that I've heard from Berkeley. I've never heard anyone say and that. And I'm that.
0: always impressed when someone does something every day, especially something as challenging as songwriting. So for the rest of us, that is very good advice.
1: So I went from there, my freshman year, I became a huge fan of Foster mm-hmm. the People. And I interned at Mophonics which is the company that Mark Foster of Foster the People wrote the first uh, Foster album at, except in LA. And I live in New York City, and I was thinking, man, is it worth moving out to LA for an unpaid internship then? Uh, But then I found out that they had a New York office. Didn't know anybody there. uh, And I didn't really know many people in the music. um, I felt like I knew people in the music industry, specifically at music gear companies, Mm -hmm. because of my YouTube channel, where guitar companies might send me something to review, and then I sent it back. As a teenager, you were
0: getting sent gear for free to review. That's amazing. Oh, yeah.
1: It was um, Yeah, I feel like I've that was also a really great way to fund my my studio yes. in New York. And a lot of companies would even just like offer to sell me the thing for a big That's discount right. at that point because it would already be secondhand. So I'd say, sure. Or they'd send me something. I'd ask if they need it back soon, and they'll reply. <laughs> and I'd even ask in person. Yeah. Know, don't worry about it. I didn't know anyone at Mophonics, so I called them. I, I got on the phone with someone there named Amanda, who's amazing. And I asked, hey, I'm a big fan of Foster the People and the music you guys do, and cited a specific ad that they had mm-hmm. on the website that they just done and said, I love the music for that. I'm a composer, just finished my freshman year of school. I'd love – I wanted to ask if you might offer internships. They said maybe, uh, but, but we'd love to take – resume. So I dropped down the email address, sent them the resume, a quick cover letter to no reply for two weeks. I was a bit bummed. So then I, I sent a follow-up email, no reply for three days or something like that. Then I called again. Um, I think they said they were working on an ad or a spot or something and asked if I could come in the next day at seven or uh, 6 PM. I said, sure. And then that next week I found out I got the internship and it was an amazing first one to have from uh, my freshman. I actually got the next one my sophomore year at a company called Heavy Duty Music that also does music for uh, commercials um, because I met one of the women who works at the company. who um, I was at a Grammy U event, I think, in New mm-hmm. York, and Kate Ursioli from Heavy Duty Music was on the panel. Uh, I think I'd asked a question and introduced myself as someone who had interned at Mophonics the previous year asking for advice and Getting placements or something. But later I went up to talk to them. She's like, Oh, do you know so and so at Mophonics? I said, Yeah, of course. They're great. Then I get a, and then I email them later uh, saying, It was great meeting you. A couple months later, out of the blue, I get an email saying, Hey, Matt, I was wondering if you're looking for an internship this summer because we're in need of someone. And this was actually when I was interning at that label. So I had to say no at first, but then as soon as I quit that, I was like, oh, wait, I have time to do this internship now this summer. So I replied, say, actually, if you're still looking for someone, I'd love to do it. And another incredible internship where I learned so much. And they were, that was a company that I really admired.
0: So two things I want to comment on that. One, go after your dream companies. Um, They're all just human beings there. They all have email addresses and Twitter accounts and LinkedIn and things like that. So... Uh, go for your dream companies. And also, even though you were actually a fan of everything they had going on there, it's okay if you're not because these skills apply no matter what. So just know that you're learning the skills and you're not there to be a fan and know that, I don't mean this to sound like such a bummer, but the fan stuff actually wears off and you really do have to be passionate about the process and what you're doing every day. So
1: where else did you intern? Having gone to uh, NAMM shows as a kid, and going what's, to what
0: I know what NAM is but what's NAM?
1: Yeah, NAM is the National Association of Music Merchants and it's a show that's hosted twice uh vendors like Fender guitars, Yamaha or um DW drums like every single music every gear company. Every gear
0: brand, like recorders, like the woodwind section. I mean there's yep. every piece of gear you could ever imagine especially at the Anaheim one.
1: Then like of course these uh gear companies bring out their endorsed artists to make sure that people who own music stores come by and check out the guitars and then put in order to buy like 50 Fender Stratocasters or 100 Les Paul guitars. So I needed an internship. I emailed my friends at Roley and uh, Roland to, even though they don't have an office in New York, uh, I was just asking, hey, do you know anyone who needs an intern? And one woman who I'm a big fan of named Nalia at Eventide had reached out to me asking if I might know any people who would want an intern at the company Nolly at eventide and i set up a meeting and then the next like i think four days later i started an interning there and that one was paid too which was really quite useful and the environment at that company was amazing i also write for a music magazine or an online music magazine called sonicscoop.com and mm-hmm. i'd done a couple pieces about eventide uh software in the past it's great so the guy in charge of the company tony he actually told me on the first day i met him like i'm a Big fan of your writing, Matt. I was thinking, what?
0: (laughs) And anyone can do that. You don't have to write for a website or anything. Anyone can start writing about gear or the industry or whatever just on Medium and start pushing it out through your social media and start, you know, I know it's kind of like a not cool word, but start to be aware of like your brand. So that's great. I, I love anyone can do that, you know?
1: Yeah. And that was my last internship. And it was honestly one of the best. Having people at the company that I just really, loved hanging out with it was definitely very much like an, an audio engineers like geek out place
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we had a lot of discussions about like bitcoin or just weird signal processing things <laughs> with audio uh, i learned so much while i was there and i think i was able to contribute quite a bit too
0: so a couple more things um, how did you get your han zimmer internship or really i mean you you touched on this a little bit but how did you get any of your internships because believe it or not that actually that question comes up how does how does one get an internship
1: how do you get an internship? Well, um, I was actually reading um, a post on Sonic Scoop's website years ago called, How Do You Get a Studio Internship? And I did like a lot of the advice, but the main thing I kind of took away in the end from having done all these internships is that you just, uh, you go out to events and you just meet people and, yes. real- and figure out. I think... Like it's easy enough for me to go to like a Brooklyn Stompbox exhibit where people who work at these companies come by, and most of the time people come by and say, "Oh, does that distortion pedal sound good? Or can I play Van Halen on it?" But I would just try to talk to people and ask about like if, how they enjoyed being at the companies they were at. Um, even to this day, I I might go to Comic Con and I'd look forward to just like talking to people there. Totally, um, it's really cool to just learn more about. Like Especially when uh, it comes to music, I think a lot of – there are a good majority of people, I think, who are passionate about what they do, even if mm-hmm. it's working at a pedal company or being a a composer.
0: Absolutely. But how did you get – just because like, I'm so obsessed with it also. How did you get the Hans Zimmer internship?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the first thing was that I, I knew that that's kind of what I wanted to do
0: mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. summer.
1: And I was in Berlin and was tired of techno music. So I was listening to who I considered the great German artists, um, Bach, Beethoven, I don't know, uh, Brahms. And then Hans Zimmer came up in my head. I was like, huh. And got obsessed with some of the soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I, I'd known one person who she worked uh, for Hans in the past. So I knew it was it was possible. And I knew some bits about, his studio complex in Santa Monica. But then I just kind of asked around um, when I got back to New York in December and said like, yeah, I'd love to like possibly work at Hans's uh, next summer. And of course I brought that up with maybe like two or three people. And Mm -hmm. one of them says, oh, I know this woman at DreamWorks and she, she works with Hans. That's great. Or has worked with Hans. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I've never met her before, but she was very kind and said, yeah, send me a resume. So I sent it over. She sent it to um, someone who worked at the company. And then I happened to be in LA in January for the NAM show, but decided to come out three days early. So I was going to LA for three days before going to the NAM show so I could go in and do the interview. Um, I got an email saying, would love to have you. And then, yeah, that was about it. Um, it can definitely come from school. I've seen people get internships because um, I'd say like Berkeley seems to be pretty good about it, though. I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure. Like where I see engineers at, um, some studios in New York city, right. who have gotten the internship because that intern went back to Boston to finish a semester and then they recommended a friend and then that friend gets it. Totally. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of times it is about networking. Obviously I talked about just cold calling people at the start.
0: That's that's amazing. and And really what you just described was, you know, building up your skills, networking online and off. And, like, I still do that. Like, back to my favorite show, The View. I took my mom to a taping a few months ago. And two people in the audience, like, when they were not on air, asked how – the host got their start in television or one of the hosts is an attorney. And of course the answers was interning. And I thought, Oh, I've got to get my book to them. Um, and when looking up the host to see who their agents were and stuff, I actually had a like multiple mutuals with one of the hosts. And one of them was my old boss from when I interned in television and he's like, Oh yeah, no problem. Like here's your email address. Just send it over. Um, so just, you know, f- building your network and starting to understand mutuals on LinkedIn and Facebook is something um that, that you can use forever. And you know, the fact that you started interning in high school is amazing. Uh, the younger you can start, the better. And to our NYU uh Clive Davis undergrad friends who are putting their internship off until the last semester, that's insane because you are also in New York City. Um, but whether you are in New York City or not, the earlier you can start the better. But don't be intimidated. If, you know, you're me and I walked into freshman orientation in college and this was in the pre-digital age, everyone had their own label and management company and this and that. And I'm like, I've taken piano lessons, so it's going to be fine. Yeah. But the earlier, the better. And the more you can factor it into your educational plan, also the better. Yeah.
1: Being at NYU, because I kind of transferred from the, the uh, there was a music technology program that I transferred out of to get into the Clive Davis Institute,
0: mm-hmm. which I
1: love dearly. Um, I will say that there were times my first year where I was almost intimidated a lot of the time by the things that other friends had going on. Like there was someone signed to a major label and another person who was already having hit, uh, cuts on pretty big artists or artists that I admired. It's just important to not uh, want to like, compare your internships or compare past experiences to other people.
0: Yeah. It's actually really easy. And because, and if you can learn this skill again, the younger, the better, because that that happens at every stage of life, you know, but in particular, if you are feeling envy or they have this, or they have that in like internship world and like classmate world, talk to them, (laughs) you know, make friends with them, maybe their internship sucks. Like, but you think it's awesome. Um, so just befriend that because the grass is definitely not always greener. And you know, for the most part, people want to share that they they're happy to share their experiences and their contacts and things. So don't don't be afraid just to strike up a conversation in that situation.
1: But just talk about the Clive in terms of internships. I do love that that program definitely encourages experience. And obviously, internships are a great way of getting experience. But you can also just get to work too nowadays. Yes. If you say you want to be a session guitar player, put your stuff on YouTube, do something ridiculous. Like, I don't know, to play a guitar riff while riding a unicycle or doing backflips. Or don't even do that. Just play really good guitar. <laughs> and people will take notice if you're really that good. And you can actually even get paid work. I mean, again, I was getting paid freelance to work for Sonic Scoop mm-hmm. during school and to engineer records for friends or even to help. Sometimes I felt like I was getting paid to just help with um, I don't even know if it's engineering. I feel like it's IT. Right. sometimes, like helping make sure people's computer setups are fine. And that even led to, uh, I set up an Ableton rig for the band CoEd and Cambria my junior year, just because I'd done some events for Ableton and was the head of the Ableton user group in New York. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, one day, Kanye's Ableton person couldn't make it. So then I got called in to just go and help out setting up one small thing.
0: Because I actually don't know. Ableton, I assume, is like for recording.
1: Oh, it's a, um, yeah, it's a program for for production and recording, but also for live performance too. So a lot of cool. bands that use playback, uh, meaning backing tracks, um, they'll use it to, I don't know, add some like claps or add background vocals. Um, so it's like a live show designer in some ways too.
0: So you just moved to LA. Congratulations. Yes. Thank That's you very so much. exciting. No more winters. Um, tell us what you're doing now. I
1: am currently getting ready for a job interview with one of my favorite composers. I can't say who it is yet. On top of that, I'm also getting ready to do some music for um, – or working on some more reels just because I've been a bit busy while finishing up my last semester of school and working on this uh, this Netflix project as well as – I mean, school is enough time too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I just want to work up my reel. So I'm actually going to San Francisco for about 10 days to just write music basically. Amazing. Um, On top of that, I've been doing some co-writing sessions and have some really, really cool collaborators I've already met and a lot that I've known but haven't been able to work with as frequently just being in New York City. So it's fun to have that change of pace over here.
0: And how did the Netflix thing come about? Can you share that, Uh, scoring and composing for a Netflix show? I
1: can. I mean, the reality is at Clive, most people are either maybe a singer, a writer, producer, Probably one of those three things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, or sometimes all three of those things. And there just to clarify,
0: we're, again, we're talking about the Clive Davis program at NYU.
1: I am also a writer and producer. And I will admit, I think my composing chops are a little better. But I'm still working on the writing and producing mm-hmm. uh, constantly. And I feel like I'm pretty solid. But... I've, uh, the reality is I've made more money so far from composing, even if it is for commercials and things like that, that I have for right. pop music. So yeah, I mean, that just came about. I got an email one day referred to by, by an NYU teacher. The person said, hey, so we are working on this show. I can't say too much because it hasn't been announced yet, unfortunately. Uh, we might of have course. to do this again once it once it's announced and totally. out in the world. Um, but basically, yeah, it was referred to by a NYU professor who knew that I was composing stuff. And then they were asked. Basically, they were asked if do you know any alum who are composers, and they said, "Yeah, maybe. Here's a couple, but there's one kid who, who's really quite good, and he's in his senior year." So they sent. Off, so they asked if I if they could if I could send them a reel. They sent it to that person. I got the referred to by email, not knowing anything about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a call, and then I think a month later, I'd set up my LLC, hired two of my favorite composers and people in the world to work on the show with me. And yeah, that that was about it. Because I was a composer in the Clive Davis program where most people are not composers. And the thing I like about composing for media more than uh, the pop and uh, pop songwriting and composing side is that I feel like I can get away with a lot more weird things. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I, again, I don't throw any like weird noises or like, I don't know, sample like me slapping on a table just for the sake of saying I sampled me hitting a table. Sure. I'll always try to think about how I can improve a story or even just change the meaning of a story with a note or two uh, or the sound of something else. I've got a call later with the director and I'm trying to figure out how we can take the, the fact that they license some folky songs. They're Mm -hmm. very acoustic guitar. And then for the score, introduce an acoustic guitar, but add a twist to it. So it feels slightly different than the the other music that they already licensed, Mm -hmm. uh, but still is of the same world. So it's not like we're changing the the foundation that they already built up musically. Right. And the thing is that if you gave that same film, uh, same 20 minutes to 20 different composers, you'd get a hundred different ideas back.
0: Well, Matthew Wong, thank you so much for... Showing us your world and sharing your experiences and keep us posted on everything. I know you're talking to managers and agents and scoring for this Netflix show. So we definitely want to spread the word on all the great things that you're doing. So please stay in touch.
1: Of course, we'll do. Thank you so much for having me, Emily.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. You can follow us anytime over on Twitter at interning 101, as well as on our website, interning101.com. I'm on Twitter at EMWizzle. Hit us up anytime if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, or just want to get something off your mind. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.